Now on view at SCAD Fash, Manish Aurora's Life is Beautiful. Renowned for dazzling designs and a rainbow of colors, Manish Aurora has brought the talent and craftsmanship of India's rich sartorial history to the global forefront, earning international acclaim on runways across three continents. Designing in India since the 1990s, Aurora's glittering garments celebrate extravagant expressions of self through varied materials, techniques, and silhouettes in a triumphant union of Western and Eastern aesthetics adapted to today's multicultural society with a touch of humor. Find out more at scadfash.org. Support for WABE comes from 100 Miles, a nonprofit committed to preserving Georgia's 100-mile coast. Protecting this critical coastal ecosystem takes all of us. Watch the stories of the innovators and future leaders who help keep our coast flowing at OurGeorgiaCoast.org. W.A.B.E. in Atlanta, this is City Lights. I'm Loris Reitzes. Thank you for listening. Atlanta has a wealth of talent living and working here, and it's a joy when local artists are recognized far beyond our city. Danielle Deadweiler has been extraordinary on Atlanta stages for several years, and now she has earned widespread critical acclaim for her screen performances. In the movie Till, she portrays Mamie Till Mobley, the mother of Emmett Till, seeking justice for her son's brutal murder. In several reviews, Deadweiler's portrayal has been described as stunning, brilliant, Oscar-worthy, Earlier this year, she was a lead actor in the series Station Eleven, another intense role, which we discussed together on City Lights. We'll listen back to that conversation today. But first, today begins our year-end fundraiser, and we're asking for your donation because... That funding enables us to create better, to create programming that leads to better understanding, interesting conversations that introduce you to new ideas and places. Right now, we've yet another reason for you to give. We're joined this hour by City Light senior producer, Kim Drobes. Hello, Lois. And you're right. So when you give right now during City Lights, we'll enter you into a drawing to win two tickets to the Wait, Wait stand-up comedy tour. It's happening at the Tabernacle Saturday, December 17th. It's hosted by Alonzo Bowden. Joining him in Atlanta are Maz Jabrani. Maeve Higgins, and Helen Hong. To be part of the drawing, please donate at wabe.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. Last January, we paid tribute to the legendary actor Sidney Poitier, who died at the age of 94. I spoke with Emory Professor and Sanger Burton about his life and legacy, And during that conversation, we discussed several of Poitier's major films and why they were groundbreaking. 
your contributions enable us to bring you insightful conversations about a wide array of topics. In order to map our future plans and interviews, we're looking for financial help from listeners like you. Please lend a hand with a year-end gift now at wabe.org slash donate or call 678 553 9090. Thank you. My name is Eric Deggins, and I'm TV critic for NPR. It's important to make space for arts coverage on the air because people have made space for the arts in their lives. Art allows us another way to reconsider and think about and process things that happen to us as a society. And we are processing a lot these days. Uh, I do donate to the NPR member station where I live. I'm supporting an institution that reflects a lot of the values I have about reporting the news and being connected to the local community and what's important about serving the public. I'm Eric Deggins. Give what you can and help your member station cover your community as well as it possibly can. Here's how to give. Thanks, Eric. So you can give at wabe.org slash donate. And I'd love to know, do you get your latest arts and culture news from City Lights? Has the show influenced you to maybe attend a concert, a dance performance, an author talk, or a festival? If the answer is yes to one or both of these questions, then please consider giving right now at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Help us to continue to provide you the latest stories on what's happening in Atlanta and donate now. Thanks. Think about making a gift to WABE the same way you would to a friend or relative. WABE is always here for you. And your one-time gift now will really help us. So give for the reasons you listen at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. And don't forget, when you give today, your name will be entered into a drawing to win two tickets to the Wait, Wait, Stand Up Comedy Tour. It's happening at the Tabernacle Saturday, December 17th. For full contest details, visit wabe.org slash contest rules. Your odds of winning are really great because we are only drawing from people who donate during City Lights. So please give at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090. Incidentally, if you are listening to the evening rebroadcast of City Lights, we are also going to enter you into this drawing too. So be sure to give your gift as well at wabe.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. Thank you. Now, Atlanta's Danielle Deadweiler has had an astonishing year. The actor began the 2022 season starring as Miranda in the critically acclaimed post-apocalyptic HBO series Station Eleven. And currently she stars as Mamie Till Mobley in the profoundly emotional film Till. In addition to acting, Deadweiler is an accomplished visual artist and 
Our city has been home to several exhibitions of her artwork. Danielle last visited City Lights in January of this year, right before the season finale of Station Eleven, and she began our discussion with a brief synopsis of the dystopian fiction miniseries. I think the show is about art. It is about creation. It's a creation story of how legacy moves through us, how community develops. That's it at its core. We follow the life of a woman in Miranda Carroll and how she comes to, to know herself, how she comes to appreciate what it is that she has experienced on a a subconscious level or visceral level and what it means to navigate relationships in a pre-pandemic world for her as a super survivalist under a remembered traumatic history and how she passes on survivalist practices to a world that is post-pandemic. What was it like being immersed in a series about a pandemic during the pandemic? The most stressful thing you can ever experience. I would think. You know what? Okay, so this is what happened. We shot in Chicago and Toronto, actually. We shot episodes one and three in Chicago. We're intentionally taking a break so that, you know, the seasons could shift. And then the pandemic began that March. So we were shooting one and three starting in January, 2020. And so I, being who I am, Miranda is a survivalist. I'm witnessing all of this happening. I'm watching and hearing about the doctor who initially died in the Philippines and thinking about, you know, how all of this is impacting us and knowing that the conversation is proliferating, but it's not being wholly regarded by the majority in the way that it it would be quite yet. And so I'm thinking about this whilst we're making it, but the world isn't shifting yet. The outside world is still living in a pre in a pre-pandemic manner. And so I'm on the train, you know, I'm on the I'm like, wow, he's eating a donut. This person across from me was just eating a donut in the most intimate fashion and fingers in the mouth and everything. And it bothered me to my core. I I just controlled where I was. I was deeply entrenched in filming, but said stay inside a little bit more often and was deeply, you know, involved in the production and the crafting of of Miranda and the story. So I was unnerved. My son was going to initially come. I said, no, thanks. It's okay. I'll see you in a short time. You know, it's making those kind of decisions whilst the world was still moving in a quote unquote normative fashion is how I was experiencing it and it was, it was unnerving. It was, it's, it's scary. It was scary Scary and surreal. Mm -hmm. Surreal for sure. Added layer. Miranda, she's an artist and she creates the very art that is the catalyst for this story. How did your own experience as a visual and performance artist influence your portrayal on screen? (laughs) It's so funny. I wasn't thinking about what I do because I intentionally call myself an artist. I identify as an artist. I participate in our artistic communities. I'm having those, those dialogues. Miranda isn't an identifiable artist. She is doing what she does to navigate the world that she is around 
she is doing what she does to to become more self-aware. I think we all, like all artists are, I would hope that all artists are trying to get to the core of a self, to get to a deeper understanding of who they are. But she's not doing it in an effort to be commercial. She's not doing it in an effort to reap capitalistic benefit. Miranda is doing it to find a whole self. She doesn't get to control the longevity and the legacy of what her work does for the people who are able to witness it. Yeah, but ironically, its survival is part of what sustains everyone else's. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Which is a critical need, right? Like if there were a preface or whatnot in the book for her to say what this was, for her to say to anyone who reads it, who witnesses it, this is how it is to be perceived. And because she doesn't have the the care of the legacy, it's been able to be interpreted by youthful minds, malleable minds in a way that might not have been her intention. And so it's misinterpreted, right? Or it's a baby that they were able to craft unto themselves in the situations that they were in, the traumatic situations that they were in. I just find that really interesting. I think that's an important lesson that I learned for myself as an artist who does identify as one, that it is that much more an inherent responsibility for me to care for my work and how it impacts the world. Part of what was fun for me knowing you and watching you on screen in the series is that I know that in real life, you are also a visual artist. Ha ha ha, rest of the world, which is also viewing this season. You don't necessarily know this. In fact, the last time you were on City Lights, Danielle, was for the Atlanta Washerwoman Strike, the show you yes, curated. Yes, yes, Will to Adorn, yeah. Will to Adorn at the Mint Gallery, which was not only a fantastic exhibition, but an important history lesson for us. So I went back to look at your artist statement, your visual artist statement, and I wanted to ask you about this. I'm going to read just a portion from it. We learned that you create spaces for interfacing with Black female subjectivity as a daily being in myriad social spheres. How does that inform your portrayal of Miranda, if it does? I think it's inherently a part of it. Though we don't necessarily have a discussion about race in the limited series, we are looking at a politicized body. I am a Black woman, and that is significant to to the experience of my body. And, And we get to delve into how she's just literally moving about the world. That's important. How she attains, how she shifts once she comes into what she is, you know, what she does, how she is different and unique and yet smart and withdrawn and guarded and intentional about how she makes. I think that surely is informing the care that I have and that I think about when I'm thinking about Black women in this world, that's truly informing how I handled who, who Miranda was and how she navigated space. 
Oh, critically acclaimed actor Danielle Deadweiler. Can you tell I adore her? We'll return with more of our conversation in just a moment. But first, the reason we have fundraisers like this one is simple. We're looking for donations to help cover the costs of programs like City Lights. So we can bring you conversations such as we just heard with the Atlanta-based and nationally renowned actor and artist Danielle Deadweiler. Please take a moment to give your year-end gift now at wabe.org slash donate. I'm Lois Reitzis, joined this hour by City Light senior producer Kim Drobes. Kedro, good morning. Hello, good morning. And when everybody gives, everybody gives <laughs> right now during City Lights, we'll enter you into a drawing to win two tickets to the Wait Wait Stand Up Tour. It's happening at the Tabernacle on December 17th. Hosted by Alonzo Bowden. Joining him will be Wait Wait panelists Maz Jabroni, Maeve Higgins, Helen Hong. Your drawing chances right now are one in four. That that's incredibly good odds. Give your gift right now at wabe.org slash donate. Hey, it's Elsa Chang from NPR. Donating to this station makes a big difference. But it doesn't have to be a big decision. It can be a spur of the moment kind of thing. Think of all the random stuff that you own. Clothes worn once or gadgets you never even figured out how to use. All paid for. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Contribute right now and thank you. Contribute at wabe.org slash donate. How long have you been saying to yourself, One day I'll donate to WABE. Every day I say one day I'll be organized. (laughs) Well, now you actually can go to wabe.org slash donate to contribute a year-end gift or your one-time gift. Or you can call 678-553-9090. And the best part is that you'll feel good knowing that you're helping to bring public radio to Greater Atlanta. Elsa Chang said it only takes a moment, and we second that. Indeed. And if you can only give one time, give your gift right now. While sustaining monthly donors are really best for us because it helps us with our budget, we know that your budget might not be there, and we totally get that. With the holidays right around the corner, we know finances can be a little tight, but what if you could give your one-time donation right now? $10, $20, $50? Totally up to you. Give because you find value here at WABE.org. Give with a call at 678-553-9090 or online at WABE.org slash donate and thank you. With your urine gift to WABE, we'd like to send you one in return. Choose from any number of gifts, including the I Love WABE mug, the NPR Kids hoodie, or the new WABE tumbler. Choose what you'd like based on the level of your gift. See all the December thank you gifts for yourself at wabe.org slash donate. Thanks. And do remember, when you donate right now, you will be entered into that drawing to win a pair of tickets to the Wait Wait Stand Up Tour at the Tabernacle on December 17th. 
your chances of winning are good right now, one in five, so why not make a year-end gift and support this station at wabe.org slash donate or with a call to 678-553-9090. Thank you. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is City Lights on WABE. I'm Loris Wrights. It's great to have you along. Let's return to my conversation with Danielle Deadweiler, the Station Eleven actor and star of the new film, Till. Deadweiler is known for her blazing on-screen intensity, and here she explains how her Station Eleven character, Miranda, embodies a sense of gravity. Miranda is someone who knows that the world is, is turning upside down and is navigating how to deal with a world turning upside down before everybody else in Station Eleven deals with a world turning upside down. She's doing it pre-pandemic in the chaos of making the book Station Eleven for herself. And so to witness all of that, you know, like to think about it, to be aware of she is she is a person navigating a particular trauma and has come full circle and then cannot complete the circle because her lover is dead, because the man she loves is dead and, and is now doing this thing to what pacify her her peer Jim Phelps because he couldn't come to grips with it before when she told him because they couldn't escape there is some kind of internal clock that turns on for us as humans when when the wretched happens when the gruesome happens we start to we do weird things when when critical stuff happens to our bodies and our minds. Sometimes the mind just takes us to a, a place where where it, it goes into the routine. And in the midst of doing this routine, she recognizes how it, it is not true. It is not true to her body. It is not true to her mind. It's not true to the spirit of this moment. And so she she falls apart. And I mean, I have plenty of personal things that can support me in understanding what that emotionally is and then it was coming it was an impending thing even before I flew to Chicago it was like oh oh this rumbling of this peculiar flu was happening but I I hadn't given it that much attention quite yet and you're finding out more about the story more about the environment more about who your character in my case Miranda is along the way I think it's a spiritual moment to come apart in that way. And I think that we have been coming apart in that way. And some people want to go back 
to pre-rupture, but you can't go back to pre-rupture. You have to accept the flow of, of the hurricane, the flow of the change that is, is, is imminent. And we're still in the midst of the, of the chaos to today. Brilliant. Thank you. On a lighter note, what was it like working with that group of actors and creatives behind the scenes? <laughs> it was isolating for me because Miranda's who she is. She's navigating the world alone in a kind of way. Everybody else is post-pandemic, well, post-flu in the story and mine's right. So, you know, um, primarily I worked with Gael and David Wilmot and those were my, you know, my buddies. <laughs> and so it was about really harnessing, you know, an intimacy between all of us because that's the truth of the experience in the story that they, they have this thing that collapses due to Miranda's need to, to, to fulfill herself. We just had a lot of fun. David and Gael are two men who have a long history in this art game in general, in a <laughs> lot of ways. And so I would just listen to stories of them and, and we laughed and we, we, <laughs> we, we were on set long, 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 beautiful hours. And it was a joy to do together. Actor Daniel Deadweiler from our conversation recorded in January of this year. Currently, Deadweiler starring as Mamie in Till, the true story of Mamie Till Mobley's relentless pursuit of justice for her 14-year-old son, Emmett Till, who in 1955 was brutally lynched while visiting his cousins in Mississippi. More information about Daniel Deadweiler's work is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. In a moment, we'll hear about an eclectic group exhibition, Little Things, on view now at the Swan Coach House Gallery. But first, we're in our membership drive to raise the funding needed to create programs with interesting stories just like the one you heard with the esteemed actor Daniel Deadweiler. I'm Lois Reitzes, joined by City Light senior producer Kim Drobes, who has yet another reason to donate. Take it away, Kedro. Truth. So when you give right now during City Lights, we'll enter you into a drawing to win two tickets to the Wait Wait stand-up tour coming to the Tabernacle on December 17th. It'll be hosted by Alonzo Bowden, and joining him will be Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me regulars, Maz Jabrani, Maeve Higgins, and Helen Hong. You're in the drawing if you give your gift during City Lights at wabe.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. And hey, little sidebar here. When you tune into City Lights on Monday, this coming Monday, December 12th, you can hear an exclusive interview between Lois and one of the panelists, comedian Maeve Higgins. It's very exciting. It's a fantastic conversation. But you know, those types of conversations, they're only possible with your contributions. Please donate online at wabe.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. Thanks. 
And as we close 2022, I want to remind you of some of the other stories City Lights has shared with you this year. In February, I spoke with the comedian, Daily Show contributor, and wait, wait, don't tell me panelist Dulce Sloan, ahead of her city winery stand-up show. She talked about her love of Atlanta and growing up here. Another delight-filled conversation I had earlier this year was with the versatile actor Alan Cumming and the versatile Ari Shapiro, host of NPR's All Things Considered. They were in Atlanta performing their show Oak and Oi, a considered cabaret at center stage. Maybe you decided to attend one of these performances after listening to our conversations on City Lights. We want to continue bringing you these in-depth, thoughtful interviews, and we can do that only with your help. Please take a moment to donate now so we can share with you the best arts and culture coverage of 2023. Please give your year-end gift now at wabe.org slash donate or call 678-553-9090, 678-553-9090. Thank you. My name is Charity Mack, and I live in Decula, Georgia. I love City Lights with Lois Reitzes because I love being able to hear about the different festivals that are coming to town or hear about people who are prominent in the community uh, so that I can get a little bit of local flavor and get more context for what it's like to live in Atlanta since I'm new here. Well, welcome. Welcome to the Cultural Center of the South. Atlanta is full of some of the most talented artists, musicians, comedians, actors, and it is our mission to tell you about the best. There is no place better to find out about these people than on City Lights. And if you're new to the area, like Charity, it's the perfect way to discover this vibrant city. Help us continue to bring you Atlanta's art and culture scene by starting a monthly gift today. Go to wabe.org slash donate or give us a call 678-553-9090. And consider making a one-time gift if that's what works best for your budget. Giving because you want to help and you find value here. That's what matters. It will allow us to do what we do best at wabe.org slash donate, or you can call 678-553-9090. Thank you. At the end of the year with your gift to WABE, we'd like to thank you with a gift in return. Maybe that's the new WAB hoodie, the I Love WABE mug, or even a selection of WABE vintage gifts. See them for yourself when you make your year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate. Thank you. 
And remember, when you donate right now, you will be entered into that drawing to win two tickets to the Wait Wait stand-up tour at the Tabernacle on December 17th. Right now, your odds of winning are one in six, so please take a couple minutes to give your year-end gift now. WABE.org slash donate or with a call 678-553-9090. is City Lights on WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes. Thank you for being here. Every winter holiday season at the Swan Coach House Gallery, walls and display cases are filled with artworks on a diminutive scale. The popular annual showcase Little Things returns this year with small works in every medium you can think of, made by over 70 artists from Georgia and the Southeast. Their art is on view and for sale through January 5th. Curator and Swan Coach House Gallery Creative Director Jacob O'Kelly joins me now via Zoom to talk more about the exhibition Jacob, welcome back to City Lights. Hey, how's it going? Going well, thank you. Past events have shown works in painting, sculpture, textiles, and beyond. What mediums of art are represented in this year's collection? We have a little bit of everything. It's mainly 2D work, so paintings, watercolor, oil, acrylic. We've got some drawings got some prints from local printmakers. And then we also have a little bit of ceramic here and there. And we've got some metalworking sculpture, woodworking sculpture. Yeah, it's just a little bit of everything. Hmm. Now, you co-curated this year's Little Things with Maria Brookman. How did the two of you select the artists? Selection for Little Things varies. It's kind of... We started back in probably July and we look through our old lists. You know, the Little Things has been going on for 20 years. So we have lists and lists of artists that have participated over the years. We pick a few from that and then we go out and visit various art centers uh, like Chastain or Abernathy. And then it's also, you know, word of mouth, people you know, shows that we go see. But is there a call for submissions? There is not. We actually choose ah. the artists every year. In the Little Things contributions in photography, a number of pieces by Brooke Reed stand out. She composes gorgeous still-life photos of floral and fruit arrangements. From a distance, you'd guess they're paintings by Dutch masters. What can you tell us about her background in photography and how she creates this work? If I remember right, Brooke is actually a florist by trade, I believe. And so she creates these still lives, you know, with flowers, uh, fruits, like you said, and uses lighting and a, a little bit of editing. And they are very reminiscent of like Dutch master paintings, but they are there for sure photography. Hmm. In the 3D section, 
works by more than 20 potters, ceramicists, woodcarvers, clay workers, paper and textile engineers are on view. Jacob, which sculptor's work in particular stands out for you? In the sculpture section, I really love Alan Quandy's pieces. They're um, woodworking. He uses some pieces like with malachite inlaid and resin. Another artist that really stood out was uh, Morgan Lugo, who does metalworking. Her pieces kind of referenced like the peach for Atlanta and um, the meme with finding chicken wings mm-hmm. on the ground. I think that that's really funny. So yeah, those two for sure. I was struck by the sculpture Jeff Repco has in the exhibition. They're geometric, self-supported, interlocking structures, almost like puzzle pieces. And they're all titled as numbered modules. What more can you tell us about Jeff Repko's work? So Jeff, I met him at Mint a few years ago. He was one of their studio artists at the time. And uh, his work, he creates, like you said, these little these little sculptures that stand up by themselves. And they have all of these little pieces that I, be- I believe he glues together. And they can actually, if you like buy multiple ones, they can connect together to build a larger sculpture, which is kind of cool. And then he also makes large scale versions of these out of metal for like public art. Mm. There are too many amazing works in the two-dimensional categories to cover in this interview. I love Calvin Jones's atmospheric paintings of shadowy figures and strangely melancholy desserts. What paintings and drawings especially spoke to you and Maria? Maria's a big fan of Calvin Jones, by the way. I personally love uh, the pieces by Ink Young Chun. There's something really intimate and beautiful about uh, her paintings. I also, Claude Girard, he is a, he cuts paper. So it's stacks of paper. And those are really interesting. I haven't really seen much of that, at least in the Atlanta area. Another person I uh, also really enjoy is Aineke Traverso. Her work is abstract paintings made from oil, and I just think they're really beautiful. One thing that makes Little Things such an anticipated event is the online artist market. Are all of the works on display this year available for sale? They are, and that's something we like focus on throughout the install is getting that online market up and going. Go to our website, swangallery.org. It's basically anything in the title section that says little things. So little things, 2D1, 2D2, photography or sculpture, they will find all of the works available there. Jacob, you are an accomplished visual artist yourself but your work tends to be on a scale too large for little things. Would you tell us about your installation and sculpture work and the themes you explore? So my work 
I explore identity and uh, examine like queer identity and how that translates in the domestic uh, space. I grew up in Georgia in a conservative religious household. And so I am often reflecting upon the struggles of coming out and dealing with religion and masculinity and uh, memory. And so I create sculptures out of like found furniture and personal items that I've collected over the years. And where can we view your work? Right now, my work, mainly on my website, jacobokelly.com. I'm not currently showing anything at the moment. So Busy as a curator and creative director. Little Things has been a yearly showcase for two decades running now, as you mentioned. Who first came up with the concept? Uh, that would be Marianne Lambert. She used to be the curator at Swan for years. I want to say the last show that she curated, Little Things, I believe was either in 2018 or 2019. And she has been kind of a local art collector and curator for decades. Why do you think Little Things has been such a success and mainstay for the gallery? I think it's, you know, you're, you're pulling artists from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of like different art scenes in Atlanta. And I think it's, it brings a lot of community together, especially at the openings. I think that it gives an opportunity for artists to sell their work to collectors at like a more affordable price. And it's a large shopping event for the holidays. So, you know, people can find pretty reasonable gifts for the holidays. Co-curator Jacob O'Kelly. This year's Little Things exhibition at Swan Coach House Gallery is on view through January 5th. More information is on our website, wabe.org slash citylights. It's time now for our segment, Speaking of Music, where we get to hear from Atlanta musicians in their own words. Hi, my name is Masiki Scales. I'm a musician, professor, and founder of the band Masiki Scales and the Common Ground Collective. I've been a part of the Atlanta indie music scene for over two decades. Through our music, teaching, and performances, we explore the thread that links the music of Africa and the African diaspora. We connect the dots between Afrobeat, funk, hip-hop, soul, and jazz. My primary instrument is the electric piano. I compose, arrange, sing, and play African percussion instruments such as the dun-dun drum and the agogo bell. I've been playing piano since I was eight years old in Gary, Indiana, and grew up listening to music like Earth, Wind & Fire, Gil Scott Heron, The Emotions, Stanley Clark, and local Chicago radio. One day I heard Parliament Funkadelic's flashlight playing on the boombox and started playing along on the family piano. I never got it out of my system. Bum, 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 bum. What a funky bass line. I took piano lessons from Miss Annette Walker. From middle school through college, I've performed in several bands prior to founding Masiki Scales and the Common Ground Collective. I am extremely grateful to create music that is healing and touches the heart and soul of the community. 
I graduated from Tuskegee University in Alabama. Upon graduating, I crossed the border and I attended Clark Atlanta University for graduate school. The rich scholarly and musical traditions of HBCUs provided fertile soil as I created my musical family. I've taught history and African American studies at Morehouse College, Georgia State University, Clark Atlanta University, and Morris Brown College. The HBCU experience is alive and well in the ATL. Witnessing excellence in these spaces has remained an inspiration. Planting roots here has connected me with my lifelong musical family. As time goes on, that family continues to deepen and expand. by the resilience of black music. From the early spirituals, the blues, ragtime, funk, soul, Afrobeat, and hip hop, I've come to appreciate the role this music plays in the African diaspora. I've developed a deep regard for the artistry that has shaped these sounds, highlighted by improvisation, timeline patterns, AAVE, often done with an aesthetic of cool, the testimony of these songs indicate that my ancestors were able to create music that served as a wellspring, a lifeline to edify them during periods of insecurity and doubt. I choose to celebrate this resilience in my compositions. I'm honored to play a role and continue the legacy of these tough-minded people who took the traditions of their ancestors and used them to resist and to carve out a space for their humanity. checking out live music performances at Bankman's, St. James Live, the Atlanta Arts Exchange, the Rialto Center for the Arts, Variety Playhouse, JB's Record Lounge, and Kebby Williams Gallery 992. I have also thoroughly enjoyed the music during the Atlanta Jazz Festival and the National Black Arts Festival. Summer Solstice was born at a jam session at a vegan restaurant in East Point called Loving It Live. I started experimenting and exploring this melody, and it wouldn't leave me alone. It was on repeat in my head all day. It earned the name Summer Solstice because it reminded me of a pleasant, warm summer day. Developing this melody and working with the brilliant jazz guitarist Tavius Elder were highlights of creating this tune. I consider Summer Solstice a riding song, a road trip song. My latest CD release is entitled West West Africa. 
It is a diasporan creation story told through music. This album is an ode to my West African ancestors and their creative legacy. The single Kaleidoscopic Universe has achieved worldwide acclaim and is a featured track on Spotify's jazz funk playlist. The Traveler, featuring Russell Gunn and Ebo Proverb, are singles that will be released in the spring of 2023. And we will present our yearly concert and parade on the Atlanta Beltline, No Tables, No Chairs, on June 3rd, 2023. Masiki Scales featured in our Speaking of Music series. More information about him is on our website, wabe.org. This is City Lights on 90.1 WABE. I'm Lois Reitzes, joined by City Lights senior producer Kim Drobes with a quick reminder that giving a few dollars will help us create meaningful stories, interviews with context to what's happening right here in Atlanta. With just a couple minutes to go, we've got another good reason to give right now. That's right. When you give right now, you are entered into a drawing to win two tickets to the Wait Wait stand-up tour at the Tabernacle. It's happening on December 17th, hosted by Alonzo Bowden, and joining him is Maz Jabrani, Maeve Higgins, and Helen Hong. And just so you know, on Monday, Lois will be talking to Maeve Higgins. It's a fantastic conversation, and I encourage you to tune in. So please, your odds of winning right now are really good. They're one in eight. So if you give during City Lights, you're in the drawing with your gift at wabe.org slash donate. A couple people who gave. We want to thank Priya and Tracy. We thank you for your support of WABE when you donate at WABE.org or by calling 678-553-9090. And as you are weighing what WABE means to you, it could be you can't commit to making a monthly donation. That's fine. We understand. If making a one-time gift is best for you, we get it and we welcome it, appreciate it. Any amount you decide to give will help us pay for the programming you value. So thank you for your gift online at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678 678- Five five three ninety ninety. My name is Tamara Van Tile, and I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I upped my monthly sustaining membership at the point that I could. You know, I know that times for people change, and sometimes folks may have more to give and sometimes a little less. And again, it's the idea of it takes a village, and we're all part of a community, and let's contribute what we can. 
Oh, Tamara, thank you. You are indeed an important part of the WABE community. And if you are a monthly donor to WABE, please consider increasing the level of your contribution. Even an increase of just a dollar or two a month will really help. You can increase your monthly gift at wabe.org slash donate, or just tell the operator when you give us a call, 678-553-9090. Now, with just a couple minutes between now and the top of the hour, we want to remind you that when you donate, your name is being entered into a drawing to win a pair of tickets to the Wait, Wait stand-up tour at the Tabernacle on December 17th. For all the reasons you've listened to us in 2022, please make a year-end gift at wabe.org slash donate or by calling 678-553-9090. Your chance of winning is pretty good now, about one in eight. Thank you so much and good luck. You've been listening to City Lights, our daily exploration of arts and culture, and you can catch an encore broadcast tonight at 9. Tomorrow at 11, listen back to my conversation with the popular New York Times food writer, Eric Kim, who grew up in Atlanta. He is marvelous. Plus, we'll hear about the new exhibition at the Center for Puppetry Arts, Festive Features. City Lights senior producer is Kim Drobes. Our producers are Summer Evans and Janine Etter, engineer extraordinaire Shelley Canavy, Katie Riley, our pledge diva, and I'm your host, Lois Reitzis. Thank you so much for listening to City Lights, and thank you in advance for donating online at wabe.org. This is WABE Atlanta. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.